Well, good morning. I am glad to be preaching again, especially after feeling as miserable as I did last week. Um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was sick as a dog and just uh, worn out as can be, but uh, I've recovered pretty well. Um, Praise the Lord, and uh, I'm glad to be here, glad to be preaching. Uh, Two weeks ago, you know, I talked about uh, Peter's life, and we just kind of got started looking at how You know, lots of ups and downs and Peter's reboots that he went through. Uh, And and I gave us uh, an opportunity to uh, take some action to share our wisdom. I handed out some papers uh, to everybody for the opportunity to share your favorite verse and, you know, how God has taught you through that. And um, I want to thank you guys. I've received uh, a good number of those. Uh, I'm sure I would have gotten more if I was here last week. Um, So, if you have those, keep giving them to me. We're going we're gonna to put them together. Uh, we're going to create a devotional for our students, for, I mean, really anybody that wants it, um, just to try and get engaged with the Word of God uh, a little bit more. Um, and I think we still have some papers out there uh, in the uh, entry area. So if you missed out, don't worry. Uh, there's still the opportunity. So uh, <clears throat> we, we talked about Peter's reboot kind of from, from fisherman to disciple and and the ups and downs and, and his roller coaster faith that, you know, Peter just kept kind of going over and over and over. Um, <clears throat> not at all unlike what we experience, right? We, we have ups and downs and starts and stops and, you know, we mess up and we got to start over again. Uh, and, and what I want to call attention to today in the life of Peter is there was kind of just one final reboot for him. And then it was full steam ahead. Uh, it, it was... Um, you know, right after the crucifixion of Jesus, Peter's, Peter's following Jesus from place to place as he nears his crucifixion, and he's asked three times if he knew Jesus. There, there's three different occasions where someone says, I, you know this guy, right? Like, you, you're one of them. Uh, and, and each time, of course, Peter denies it and fulfills what Jesus had said uh, at the Last Supper. He's going to deny him three times before the rooster crows, um, but then Jesus dies, and then he comes back, and Peter's life takes a drastic turn. We're going to look at John chapter 20, uh, starting with verses 1 through 8. It says, Early on, the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. Uh, just, just a little side note, I've, I love John's little details that he throws in there uh, about how he beat Peter to the tomb first twice. You know, he throws that in there uh, two different times. But Peter, Peter's that same man of action that we talked about last time, right? He doesn't just run to the tomb he goes in. He checks out. He's got to see everything for himself. He takes off, sees it all, 
And then I, I think this is really, really where everything starts to fully click into place for him. This is the wheels start turning. Okay, he's, he's not in the tomb. That means that, because P- Peter was there for all the teachings, he knew everything that Jesus said. I, I think he started to get it right about there. But not quite all the way yet, because in John 21, verses 1 through 3, uh, it says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Uh, a bit of a callback, uh, this, this whole interaction that's coming here. Uh, this is not the first time you read in your Bible about Peter and some others being out fishing all night and not catching anything. Um, in Luke chapter 5, uh, same kind of thing happens. And then Jesus tells Peter, well, go out in the deep water and let your nets down. And Peter protests, well, that, that's not going to work. But he does it, and they catch so many fish, the nets are breaking, and it takes two boats to hold all the fish, and they're practically sinking So here in John, they have again been fishing, nothing to show for their efforts. And, excuse me, Jesus instructs them, we'll throw the net on the other side of the boat, which is, if you've been fishing, the other side of the boat, it's not that much of a difference. Even if you got a pretty big boat, if you're going to catch fish on one side, you're probably going to catch them on the other in, in most situations, but they do it. And lo and behold, so many fish that they can't haul in the net. John points out to Peter, well, this must be Jesus because they recognize, hey, this has happened before and it was Jesus that told us to do this and it clicks, right? And so Peter, he does what Peter does. He wraps his garment around him. He jumps into the water to swim all the way to Jesus, all the way to shore. He can't wait for the boat. He has to go right now. No hesitation, Peter, the man of action. And this is where that kind of final reboot happens for him, this life-changing interaction that sets him firmly on a path of faithfulness and leadership that he never leaves. Uh, In verses 15 through 19 of John 21, it says this, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, And this is the last instruction Peter needed. Follow me. 
Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I, I don't think it's any accident that Jesus asked Peter three times to feed his sheep, or asked him, do you love me? <clears throat> Peter, of course, denied knowing Jesus three times. And that final instruction of follow me is one that Peter takes to heart. From that moment forward, there is absolutely no question about where Peter's loyalties lie. He is completely and totally committed to the cause of Christ. There is no hesitation, no wavering in his commitment, no wavering in his faith. He is all in, completely and totally. Uh, and the reference to his death that is made in verse 18 about his hands being stretched out and led where he doesn't want to go, it's, it's a prophecy that, that would later come true. According to Jewish tradition, Peter was sentenced to be crucified for his faith, but because he did not want to uh, die in the same way as Jesus, he didn't feel worthy of dying the same way his Savior did, they say that he has to be crucified upside down. So like Jesus, his arms were stretched out on the cross and he was led to his death, his crucifixion. Um, <clears throat> but we're, we're going to take a look at a couple other important moments in the life of Peter after this final reboot. reboot and we're going to talk about what we can learn from him. So just a couple pages over in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and the people are gathered together. And who gets up to speak? None other than Peter. Acts 2.14, we get the beginning of that. Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. I'm not going to read the whole sermon because that would take a little bit too long. Um, but it is powerful and it is moving and it is uh, unflinching and pretty challenging. He, he lays out... Uh, on the line, this, this message of Jesus fulfilling the prophecies and how Jesus was the Lord. He was the Messiah that they had waited for, and they killed him. And, and the people hear this message, and they respond. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other, the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Peter, the same guy who denied knowing Jesus, who whipped out his sword and cut off a servant's ear when they came to arrest Jesus, who said, no, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. All his stumbling, bumbling, well-meaning uh, faith. Now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he has preached the gospel and seen thousands respond and believe and follow Jesus. It is, of course, not only Peter's doing, but largely the Spirit's doing. But that's not too shabby for a former fisherman preaching his first sermon. It's certainly a lot better than my first sermon, uh, which might have lasted all of 20 minutes. And uh, the greatest impact was probably felt in children's church when they found out, wait, the sermon's over already? Um, <laughs> we were done. 
way earlier than usual. I have gotten a lot more comfortable preaching. I've gotten a lot better at preaching. Um, nobody was saved that day. <laughs> but, you know, maybe by the grace of God, someone learned something. Um, but God can and will use anyone, right? Peter wasn't specially trained. I mean, he got to be with Jesus for three years, so that's probably better training than anyone in seminary receives. But he was a fisherman by trade. He didn't grow up his whole life getting ready to preach. God uses him anyway. We skip ahead to chapter 3 of Acts, verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> Peter heals a man who begged at the temple gate, and he tells him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Just by speaking the name of Jesus Christ, his words have the power through the Spirit for this man to get up and walk. It shouldn't be possible, but he does. The man doesn't just walk, he jumps up and he joins Peter and John in the temple. He's walking, he's jumping, he's praising God. And then they're surrounded by these astonished onlookers later. Skip down to verse 12 and Peter says this. When Peter saw this, the astonished onlookers, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Again, he, he's boldly, he's clearly proclaiming the gospel, the message of Christ. And in chapter 4, he's in front of the Sanhedrin because they don't like what he's doing. And he does it again. It's an even more pressure-packed situation. They seize Peter and John. They threw him in jail because of their preaching. But even that doesn't stop the church from growing. Even that doesn't stop him from sharing the word. Verse 8 of chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. <clears throat> Again, Luke, writing Acts, he notes that Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just him. It's not that Peter is great, it is that God is great and he is using Peter. But in verse 13 it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
It's no coincidence, they know, it's no coincidence that these men who had been with Jesus are doing these things. They might want to deny his power, but they're seeing it right in front of their eyes. They, they cannot deny what they are seeing. <clears throat> they tell Peter and John, stop speaking about Jesus. But Peter and John in verse 19 and 20 say, uh, there it is, which is right in God's eyes. To listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They can't help it and they don't stop. Right? They keep preaching even though they wind up jailed. But then God rewards their faithfulness. They, he opens the prison doors in Acts chapter 5. And the angel tells them when the doors are opened, go and preach. So they go, they stand in the temple courts and they preach the gospel. Right? They're arrested again. They're brought before the Sanhedrin again, <clears throat> and again, Peter says, we must obey God rather than human beings, and he preaches the gospel. Verse 41 says the, uh, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, <clears throat> and they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. We, we don't have fully reliable information on the deaths of all the disciples. You know, only James's death is recorded in the scriptures. Um, but he was beheaded. <clears throat> and the, the Jewish leaders certainly uh, had that idea for the rest of the disciples. They, they didn't like what they were doing. They were trying to arrest him at every turn. They were going to do everything they could to stop the spread of the gospel. But church history indicates that at least half of the disciples were likely killed for their faith. But, so all this is going on around Peter. He knows that his life is at risk, and he doesn't stop. He continues to preach the gospel. No more reboots for him. He's all in. He's full steam ahead, completely and totally committed. So what do we, what do we learn from Peter's final reboot and, and his life that followed? First of all, I think we can learn that there's no lost causes when it comes to Jesus. You know, Peter denied knowing Jesus. That I, have, I don't have any idea who he is. Despite the fact that he walked along him for the entirety of his ministry on earth. He, Peter was there for moments like the transfiguration and Jesus praying in the garden that not even all the other apostles witnessed and he denied even knowing him. So if you ever feel like you've blown it, and who hasn't, right? We've, we've all been there. We've all done that. Remind yourself that not only did God use Peter, but he used him in great and incredible ways. Right? There are no lost causes when it comes to Christ. So that person you think is just never going to get it, they're never going to come to Christ, they're never going to accept the message, keep praying, keep asking, keep sharing. Keep hoping. That, that person who has strayed away, keep inviting them back. Keep offering restoration in Christ. That, that person who keeps messing up, keep loving them. Keep guiding them. Keep, help, keep, keep helping them become who God wants them to be. Don't give up on them. Never too late for them to return to Christ and for God to change their hearts. The second thing I think we need to learn from Peter is that our commitment to God needs to be unwavering. 
He was committed to serving Jesus and proclaiming the gospel at every opportunity. He's in jail. He preached the gospel to the jailers. The crowd was gathered around him because he performed a miracle. He preached the gospel. He was on trial because he preached the gospel. So he preached the gospel. He, he didn't have special training. We have, you know, we have the word of God just like he lived, you know, with the word of God. He had the knowledge that he needed. He had the belief and the power of the Holy Spirit. He had experienced God's work in his life and he knew that that transformed him and that he could be used to do something with that. God showed over and over through Peter that he will show up and do what we need him to do if we are faithful and if we are willing. And so finally, I think we need to be willing to do what God asks us to do no matter the cost. Peter saw people around him being killed for preaching the gospel and he did it anyway because he knew it was too important not to share. It mattered too much to keep it to himself. It's getting harder to be a Christian in today's world. You know, I, I look at my youth group students and I, and I look at my children and the world that they're growing up in and I like to think I'm not that much older than them, but it's a drastically different world than the one I grew up in. It is a completely different environment. There are all these different pressures that, that I never faced not that long ago. It's not just that people want you to let them live their lives, but, but we're basically shouted at to celebrate their sin. Or you're going to be called a bigot. You're going to be called hateful. No, I, I just believe the word of God is true. I just believe that you need to repent because God says these things are wrong. I don't hate you. I love you. I wish people understood that. I wish they could see the truth of God's word. But are we willing to stand on that truth when it costs us friends? When it costs us job opportunities? When it costs us, I don't know, whatever, right? We're told that if we don't accept the sin of our neighbors, we're being hateful. And, and then there are so-called churches that really are preaching what they think is the gospel in a way that truly does hate. And that messes it up just as much, if not more. That gives churches and Christians such a bad name. It, it, it makes us look bad because all we really want is people to know Jesus and love him like we do. There are churches with wildly popular messages that are nothing more than a TED talk with a cross in the background. They water down the gospel or ignore it completely. They decide that I don't like this part of the Bible, so I'm going to leave it out. There are so-called churches compromising on the truth in the name of love when all they're really doing is diluting the gospel. Peter didn't do any of that. Peter was pretty harsh at times. You killed the Messiah. But he told the truth. He told it boldly. He told it without reservation. Following Christ should cost us something. When Jesus tells the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price in Matthew, the, the men who find the treasure and find the pearl, they sell everything to acquire those things because they know 
those things which represent the kingdom of heaven, they are worth more than anything else. They are worth sacrificing everything else. The righteousness of God is worth any and every sacrifice we might make. So let's stop sitting on the fence. Let's stop settling for good enough. Let's decide to be all in, just like Peter. Uh, Let's reboot and say we're going to do everything we can with excellence and with integrity and, and with the love of God so that God may be glorified and people might know him. Let's live with purpose. Let's take every opportunity to preach the gospel like Peter did. We're going to finish. We're going to come to a time of decision here, uh, sing our hymn of invitation. And I don't think uh, there's going to be thousands that come forward today just looking around the room. I feel pretty confident in saying that. That's okay. If, If somehow through me God has stirred something in in just one person, then that is more than enough. And and let God be glorified for that. If one person, you know, decides, hey, i got to commit to God in a way that I haven't been before, praise the Lord. Uh, If the Holy Spirit is stirring something inside of you to take a step of faith and do something for God that you've been holding back on, let's do it today. Don't wait. Don't, don't look for a better opportunity. The best chance to do it is right now. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's be all in together on serving God and growing his kingdom here on earth. Let's pray.